Hi there, I'm John Underhill, and this is the Red Special Guitar Podcast. Now, if you've not been here before, then hello. And if you have, then welcome back. Thanks for joining me again. If you want to know what this is about because you're new, then please have a look at some of our other videos where I caught up with uh, Brian May himself um, and some other really famous, wonderful people. Also, just some wonderful, fantastic individuals from the Red Special community, which if you haven't found yet, then make sure you head over to Facebook, type in Red Special Forum, and have a look and join up, and you can learn all about the Red Special, Brian May's rig, the story behind the guitar, the story behind the people that have worked on it, and become part of this wonderful worldwide community that we now have, which is just fantastic. There's well over 5,000 people last time I checked, and it's just a wonderful place. It's a, 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 one of the nicest places online I've ever come across, and one of the nicest groups of people I have ever come across as well, which is very rare these days in um, modern society. But that's not what you're here for. What you're here for is for today's episode. But before I go into that, if you don't already and you've been enjoying this, then please, please, please make sure you like and subscribe to this video. Give me a little thumbs up on YouTube and make sure if you're listening on a podcast site that you follow us so that you know when new stuff has come out. It really helps us get noticed by people and it really helps us go up the rankings and makes the podcast more accessible. And it just helps me really. Yeah, knowing that people would like and enjoy what's going on really makes me want to keep doing more. And um, if you haven't already, you can also join up and you really love the podcast, you can join up as a podcast patron. There are a good number of you now and we have our own little community on Facebook um, Messenger where we chat about guitars, the podcast, up and coming things, new ideas I've got, new suggestions, podcast guests, you get to ask questions of people, get to know a bit more about the Red Special Guitar Meetup in the UK before anyone else does and um, it gives you some early access to some information. And you can join up for as little as a cup of coffee a month, so like three pounds a month and it gives you all this early access and part of this wonderful group that we've created or that's been created really by the podcast patrons. There's far too many of you to name, but you guys are awesome and you know who you all are. Moving on from that and on to today's episode, we're talking to the most wonderful human being who I've wanted to talk to for a very long time. Um, he was on the forum when I first joined it in the early 2000s and he went from the guitar to looking at another piece of Brian's kit that created his sound and he went off on his own direction for nearly 20 years trying to replicate this item. Um, potentially it was found in a skip but you'll learn more about that in the episode. So without further ado I'm going to hand over to me talking to Mr Manuel Angelini um, all about his story of recreating the Deke amp and where it's led him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the Red Special Guitar Podcast, welcome back to another fantastic episode. Our guest today is somewhat supersonic, you could say, and his name is a mix of several things, which hopefully we'll get to ask him about. But I would like to invite and welcome the man behind the arguably the most accurate Deke replica there ever has been, and the man whose quest it has been to track down all the various original components of the Deke, working with many people in the forum. Mr. Manuel Angelini, how are you, sir? Thank you. Nice to meet you, John. I'm fine. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Nice to get you on after all this time. It's, as always, it's taken a bit of time, but thank you for bearing with me. And um, yeah, I'm so pleased to finally get to speak to you. That's a pleasure. <laughs> so, Manuel, some people might not know who you are. Some people might know who you are. You, I said you're the man behind the Deke Amp replicas, um, most notably in recent times. but Casting your mind back, how, what, can you remember the first time you heard a Queen song? 
Well, uh, quite a long time ago. I think I was around 10. Uh, 1977, we are the champions. Um, I remember listening to uh, my parents' radio, Chub uh, Lawrence, for the record, uh, late at night and recording uh, the hit parade on the tape recorder, so you can imagine the quality of the recording. Uh, and among the songs, uh, there was We Are The Champions, because uh, that was what was on the hit parade at the time. And well, uh, I loved the song, obviously. I was only 10, you know. Uh, but I asked my parents to offer me um, the, the LP for Christmas. So that would be Christmas 1977. Um, having a LP at the time, it was, was quite pricey uh, so um, I was lucky they said yes but I didn't have any hi-fi to listen to it so I had to, to ask my brother to um, well to allow me to, to use it as a hi-fi to listen to it so that's a story uh, behind my first song Queen song ever probably <laughs> really and then and then uh, well it never stopped because uh, my brother was hooked on Queen too um, and we progressively, we bought all the Queen records. Uh, jazz came quickly after that one. And um, we went uh, to see the first Queen concert ever together in 1980 in Brussels, this December, uh, December 1980. And well, I quite remember it right now. Uh, it was amazing. My first ever concert with Queen. Um, and I've been lucky enough to, uh, to attend many Queen concerts after that, 1984. I was 17th, uh, first Queen concert of the, of the tour, of the European tour in 1984. Freddie's voice was amazing, one of my probably best concerts. I, I know the rest of the tour was not that good, but this one was exceptional. <laughs> and uh, in 1986 in Paris, last, uh, last concert ever. That's it. It's pretty cool to mm. have been able to see, you know, uh, lots of people we speak to have seen Queen originally, but um, that's pretty cool. You got to see the first tour in 84 and the last one in 86. Yeah. It's, it's pretty special. So, lucky. <laughs> so did you, were Queen, obviously Queen are a massive influence because you've gone to lots of gigs and seen them play and perform mm -hmm. several times when you could. Mm -hmm. Were you, um, were you inspired to pick the guitar up at that point or were you, you know, were you musically interested at that point, or is that something that came later? So I was very interested musically, but I'm not a guitar player, surprisingly. I'm a keyboard player. <laughs> so when I was going to a Queen concert, I took get great care of going on the left side of the stage, not on the right part, because I know Freddie would be here. And yeah. uh, he was the one I was, uh, I was looking at, uh, not Brian at the time. <laughs> so that's a bit surprising, but... I'm not really a guitar player. Uh, the first time ever uh, I've tried to play the guitar was when I was uh, around 12 or 13, something like that. But I, I didn't like it. And well, I've tried many times uh, to learn to play the guitar, but I'm afraid I'm not a very good guitar player. <laughs> so that's not a problem. I can play basic songs, you know, uh, a few Queen songs, but uh, enough to test my amps. But uh, yeah. About it, I'm more, more yeah. of a guitar, uh, keyboard player. <laughs> so, was it Queen that made you pick the keyboard up, or were you already learning yeah. keyboard? No, no. Um, 
I remember uh, I went uh, in the United States in 1983, I think, and um, the family that welcomed me at the time had a, this huge Bechstein uh, piano uh, in their living room. I said, wow. I didn't know that Freddie had the same one, you know, the, this, uh, I don't know uh, how you call them, but you know, the, the huge piano uh, uh, like he, he had on stage. Well, I think he, uh, he had a, a Bechstein at some point in his career. So I learned to play the piano on a Bechstein by myself. And obviously I, I, be I began with some Queen songs. I bought a, a big book uh, with some uh, um, notation book or I don't know what you call this. Well, we, well you had all the, all the notes to play. And then I learned by, really I learned by here to play my first Queen songs. I think the first one uh, maybe was Love of My Life or something like this. And yeah. um, I, I learned uh, uh, many more Queen songs from there. So, so obviously they, you've learned piano by ear and you, you've gone through and 86 you've seen them play the last gig you, you still follow Queen and, and what they were up yeah. to and all the way through never stopped yes I, uh, I began in 1977 and never stopped but obviously you, you don't listen to songs and uh, you're not a fan the same way when you're 10 and when you're uh, 56 right now <laughs> it's yeah. very different to keep the passion uh, running you, you have to change the interest. And what I like in Queen is yeah, that you can, well, uh, listen to it in a lot of different uh, fashion manners. Um, because, for instance, we, we got to listen to the, the multitracks, which was amazing to me because I could hear the, the songs in a very different way. Um, also, the technical side uh, was a, a way to, to renew my interest for Queen. So uh, uh, I, I'm not the same fan I, I was probably yeah. at the time. <laughs> so it's really interesting because you came into it through piano and obviously we know some of us listening will know your story and where you've ended up. So mm -hmm. to get from learning piano because of Freddie really to where you ended up mm -hmm. making these things, yeah, it's a long way. <laughs> it is. Very it's, long it's, way. It's, it's quite separate. It's, um... it, it doesn't seem very logical, but it is. <laughs> there is a story behind it. Uh, at the beginning of, I think, um, the, year, the year 2000, um, I was very much into uh, DOS and uh, keyboards and programming and so on, if you see what I mean. And I was willing to, um, well, to use synthesizers, um, keyboards and record some songs that that would sound like Queen a bit, but I realized I soon realized that I needed a, a guitar to uh, to do some uh, some proper guitar sounds. Well, uh, keyboard will never let you achieve something like this. So I thought, okay, uh, I will buy a guitar. So uh, just I just I bought a random guitar, you know, a Fender style guitar, and and tried to. to to play it through um, software amps, uh, the like of uh, uh, guitar rigs. Uh, uh, can't remember their names really because for, uh, I stopped that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, it sounds good, sounds like, like a guitar, but not like Brian May's guitar. So I thought, well, maybe I should get more into it. And, you know, that was the beginning of the. Um, broadband internet 
Yeah. So I, 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 uh, I went and, and got a, a proper internet connection. And probably one of the first things I, uh, I've looked for was a, a Queen Forum and a Brian May Forum. And I think that's where I stumbled upon the, the, the Black and Red Forum, Red Special Forum. can't remember the, the exact name. Oliver, uh, Oliver I think, was uh, behind this, uh, this yeah. forum. BrianMayWorld.com. Yeah, exactly. Still there, I think. It is. Yeah, it is. And yeah. you can click on Red Special mm. and then Forum and you yeah. get to the, the original Forum page. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that, that's, why, that's how it all began, really. So you were really looking for... What were you looking for? Was, not sure Did what you... I was looking for. <laughs> uh, I, I think I was looking for some info on how to achieve the sound. Um, um, what guitar I needed, uh, what amps I needed. I had no idea whatsoever about the DTM. No idea. And um, I think I heard about the, the VBM one, the Vox White amp on the forum for the first time. Yeah. And I think I heard a demo of it. Um, that Andrew who recorded it, I think. Uh, I think that was him. And well, that sounds like Queen. That's probably something I would like to have. I had no idea it was a replica of, of a DTM because I didn't yeah. know about the DTM. And I thought, well, could be worth a buy. And it was not very expensive. And I thought, well, gonna buy one. And I thought, well, it sounds good. It sounds like Queen. Well, sort of, not perfectly spot on, but sort of Queen. So uh, I bought it and, well, I tried it and I was happy with it. So that was the the very start of me getting interested into anything Dickie related. Did you know before the forum that Brian had made his own guitar and that's what he used? No, no no idea about that. Totally discovered that then. Yeah. And, well, it gave me the idea to do the same because uh, at the time, my dad was building his own plane. I mean, a real plane yeah. <laughs> um, for himself because he's a pilot. So, obviously, he was allowed into uh, woodworking. Um, he had all the gear to do that. And I thought, well, that would be a good project to do the same with my dad and try building my guitar. So. Uh, I thought the forum would be a good source for some uh, some good info to to build a guitar. So um, I started keeping uh, track of all the the thread on the forum uh, um, that had a little info about this, and we started building uh, uh, this guitar with I think the the Di Stefano plant. Is that correct, yeah. Di Stefano? Yeah. yeah so we, right. we started yeah. and we started building it with uh, with these plants. Um, we we got far into the building. We never completed it, sadly. But uh, um, it's still hanging on my wall. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's not completed at this point. You have to <laughs> finish few, it. A one few projects, a few projects got in the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing you started to build it, and then you at some point fell in love with. You learned a bit more about the DJ amp, and yeah. You just dived into that rabbit hole head first. Exactly. <laughs> got got trapped in inside since then. Sadly, <laughs> I'm not out. <laughs> Still in the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. The story is this one. Um, the VBM one was good, uh, but not spot on, as I said. Yeah. So uh, 
the idea was to to make it better and you might remember about the orchestrator project which yep. uh, which started on the other forum the us forum yeah um, i think it was um well maybe i'm wrong um chris mahoney was m maybe into this project where it was greg covington who built yeah. it i think it, it was uh, the two of them i think working yeah the two of them and the idea was to um, to use the little um, little info that Greg Fryer had um, published about the, the actual Dicky Hemp, saying it was uh, loosely based on uh, on the Muller Muller schematic, and so they, they worked from there and uh, using uh, well some AC one two five one two six and one two eight, and they built a replica using this uh, these transistors and some uh, audio transformer they had. And uh, I think Mark Reynolds tested it at some point, and the result was very interesting, much much better and much closer sounding to the actual DKM than the, the, the BBM one. So that got me interested into that. And I said, well, I'd like to get one. Uh, very interesting. And um, I'm sure you remember that. The, uh, they talked about the price online. Yeah. I think it was around $900 at the time. Yeah. But, um, Whoa, that's very expensive. I couldn't believe the price. And I thought, I can't build one. It must be easy to build. Not many parts. It must be easy to build. Uh, first mistake. <laughs> because um, I ended spending much more than $900 on it. <laughs> Sadly, it cost me much, much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that was the start of the project and I, I remember I can remember them coming out and they, they, I, th I can remember Mark testing it and there's I'm sure Mark posted a video with his green carpet that yeah used to have. the usual green carpet <laughs> yeah the, the famous green carpet and, um, not there anymore by the way <laughs> no it's not it's blue now <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, um, sorry Mark but that carpet is famous um, <laughs> and I remember that the whole hype around it and everyone was really interested and um it, it in our community at that point it really took everyone by storm didn't it and it was it was yeah. the thing to to have and I think there had been talk about maybe someone else replicating it or maybe an official this is must, when was this this must have been 2000 early 2000s probably yeah don't remember exactly but it could be but it was it was really groundbreaking stuff at, the, at that point wasn't it it was yeah yeah and there was there was lots of people around then. So, from memory, you've got other people being inspired to do other things, building guitars and building electronics and, and bits yes. and pieces. The time was um, uh, very good for experimenting and uh, trying things. Um, it was very much a time of DIY, much more than now. It's still, it's, yeah. a, it's very different now. Not better, not uh, not worse, but different. And uh, uh, well, I, I liked quite quite a lot. It's all this experimenting and R and D, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and really, I jumped into it. I, I wasn't the only one, by the way. But uh, I started a, a thread on the forum. It was called the Dicky thread. And uh, um, I thought, well, it would be nice to tell everybody about my uh, my journey to build uh, my own Dicky amp. And uh, um, 
my secret hope behind it was obviously to get some help from people in the know because I was no, uh, no way, I, I was knowledgeable in electronics. I knew nothing about it. Um, so I started from scratch, really. And I, I found a software to design a, a PCB. And I thought, well, maybe I could try to, to etch my own PCB. Never done that before. But, uh, well, maybe it's doable. So um, I bought everything needed, all the hardware to do it myself and, and did it. You know, um, good on me. Uh, I haven't thought about it because probably I um, uh, thought it would have been too difficult for me to do. <laughs> it was not yeah. very easy, but, well, I did it. The, the first PCBs were not very nice, but it worked. So um, I tried that. And uh, well, all along, a, a lot of people were interested in, in those experiments. Were uh, one of them being Yuri, uh, yeah. who, uh, who was experimenting a lot, also yep. on uh, on the DKMP at the time. Um, we'll tell some some interesting stories about him and, and his work on the on the DKM too at the time. But uh, uh, I was not the only one to experiment for sure, for sure. Yeah. Greg Covington did a lot of job on it. Yes. Yeah. No. It's and it. I just going. I mean, it's it's interesting listening to and going back in time in my own head, and it was a much different way of interacting back then with the old forum yes. because it, it it was a forum and it was. Um, posted up and you could respond to different topics and everything was filtered and you look at Facebook now and the forum on Facebook and it, it jumbles everything up and it's very hard to keep yeah. track and yeah we had that's a, the problem we, with Facebook mm. we, we had a very good way of seeing progress on things and also documenting things and back in the early 2000s a lot of this stuff was really groundbreaking stuff and we didn't no one I think had really even seen a picture of the Diki very often I think there was this old grey black and white photo scan that someone had posted up of it on a table that you could barely make out it's all pixelated and none of us knew what it looked like none of us really knew apart from the studio recordings what it sounded like mm. um we'd heard rumors about it and there was the odd story about it being found in the skip and whatnot but there wasn't information out there like there is now and we, no. it was mm -hmm. the real dawn of the internet and people starting to catalog these things yes the i think the the very first uh, nice pictures came from the VBM1 uh, service, uh, well, user yeah. manual. And, and you had some uh, one picture from uh, front picture and back picture from it, uh, of it uh, that, that was professionally taken. So, uh, well, maybe I'm wrong, but that was one of the first pictures that was, well, available because obviously Mark. Uh, at some some picture of the of the DKM dating from 1998 something like this yep. uh, taken at Brian's home uh, with Greg Fryer uh, but, but they were not public at the time they were yep. private so that, you're right no not much to see about the DKM at the time yeah it's, it's even rarer than the guitar at that point mm. I think. Um, yes, because we obviously you could see pictures of the guitar, Brian holding it, playing it. People had had interactions with it, but the amp was never on tour. It was always in the studio, so it, yeah. it never left. So it was kind of this really mystique thing. And it, I don't know about you, but for me, knowing the guitar was homemade and that the amp he used that makes all the sounds that I just loved was found mm. in the skip. 
I thought you can't. What story? This is amazing. <laughs> the, the skip story is very funny. We will talk about it later, but it's part of the legend. I don't think yeah. uh, it's exactly like that. It happened, but uh, no. <laughs> it, it's it's a, it's a really funny story. There's a lot of legends around the DKM, but uh, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> so the, there was this dicky thread on the forum, and I remember. Um, I got in touch with someone, uh, Lispite, uh, Lispite, sorry, um, and uh, we was interested in electronics, but uh, we met through this, uh, this thread, actually, and we privately discussed uh, everything uh, Dickie related with Lee, um, and uh, he sent me some schematic uh, for some radio he thought could be the Dickie amp at the time, I remember that, um, and we, we discussed a lot and, uh, well, we agreed to, uh, to meet for, for real, actually, because we, uh, we made a trip to the UK to, um, for, our, for both our families to meet. That was really kind of funny because uh, at the time, my, my kids were really young, you know, and I was talking about the Internet to them and, and saying, you know, on the Internet, Never ever meet anybody you've met on the internet. <laughs> this is very dangerous. Don't do it. You have to know the, the people for real. And the first thing I do is meeting some people in another country. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but um, we we stayed in in touch uh, from uh, well from then and. Um, well, it's nice to uh, to see uh, each other, whether online or for real, because they, uh, Lee and his family came to France and we met again uh, in the town I live in. And, well, we met several times. So this is, well, an internet friendship that turned into real friendship. And yeah. that's really nice, really nice. And, and I always think that's the great strength of the Red Special community, as I like mm -hmm. to call it these days, with forums yes. there. It's um, those that mindset and the things that have been amplified in more recent years by things like the meetups, which have now gone global. Yes. That's all because of how it was back when we first started and we're sharing information, how friendly everyone was. And that's mm. just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and become yes. this wonderful community of people now. So it's, it's a mm. testament to the likes of yourself and Lee and Mark and um, Peter Michalowski and, Andrew yes. Morgan and all those original people from the format H for all of his jokes. Um, yes, all those we'll original... about him later too. <laughs> <laughs> but all of those, all of those people, have, you know, it's if it wasn't for that group of people coming together yeah. and mm. yourself and Lee getting together and then inspiring other thoughts and things going on, I don't think we'd be where we are today. So well done <laughs> you for trusting Lee and, <laughs> and meeting up. Well, I wasn't aware. Um of who he was really, because I thought he was just someone like me interested in the DTM, electronics and so on. But uh, I, I didn't know he was so clever and knowledgeable in electronics, no idea about that. But uh, uh, he was a person I needed to make some progress on my build. I didn't yeah. know when, when I met him, but uh, a lot of things I couldn't have done without him, obviously, obviously. No, he's a lovely chap too. He's um, yeah, he's just a really nice chap. and his family's um, Harrison, who comes to the meetup, is, is yes. lovely and is nice to see his guitar skills improving each year. And yeah, and, yeah. the first time I met Harrison, he was three. Wow, 
So that's a long way and very impressive yeah. way. Yeah. You know? It's a bit <laughs> taller see, now. Yeah, when I <laughs> when I see him playing the the guitar now, I'm so impressed. He's very yeah. very good. So uh, yeah, that's very nice to see. <laughs> Definitely. No, so you you met up with Lee and then um, Lee Lee and you started working on on some bits and pieces. How how did that yes. all come about? And yeah, um, so I started building uh, an amp based on uh, the Mullet schematic, and I needed someone. Well, well, I tried it and it worked using a random speaker, a vintage speaker I sorts at my at my work, I think. <laughs> so they, they had this old speaker lying around. And uh, I had read that um, uh, the Dicky Amp had a non-working tweeter. It was wrong. <laughs> but at the time, we thought the tweeter was not working. Yeah. So I thought, um, I will build, I will build um, an amp with just a woofer. And I wanted to, uh, to build it with a, a proper speaker. So I, um, I search on on some forums uh, some some good speaker to to go with my with my amp, and I stumbled upon um, some Philips speakers that sounded good, so uh, I chose this one, and included it in in a cab I built for uh, for the occasion, and I thought okay I've got a, um, I've got a, a Dicky amp ready to to be tested, but I can't play the guitar, so who's going to to test it and to try it. So at this point, I can't remember exactly, but I think uh, I just sent uh, Matt Hutchison um, just the amp section. I'm not sure I sent him, uh, at first, I, I don't think I sent him the speaker. That came later, I think. So I sent him the, the amp section and he told me, well, you know, I could test it with something I have made by uh, Greg Coxhill. It's it's a sort of um, lookalike of the Dicky amp, and uh, maybe I could test it with it. Um, I think it started like this, and obviously he could play the guitar uh, well, much much more better than I could do that. And he tried it and he said, "Well, it sounds it sounds good, it sounds good, it sounds like the Dicky." And so he started making some demo with it um, and recording uh, uh, some uh, tutorials. With it, so it was obviously great for me because I had someone who could uh, really make it shine. Because uh, I couldn't do that myself, so I had some some very good recordings with it, and I thought, well, I, maybe I could make some and and sell some because buying some transistors, buying some stuff to make some some amps, it was costly to me. It was just you know pastime and not something um, I wanted to spend money on. So. Maybe I, I could could sell some. So I, I thought about uh, well selling a, a few amps or not many, you know, just a few ones to well to to fund my my search because uh, obviously uh, the more you want to get into it and the more you have to spend. I didn't have much money to do that. So that's that's how it, it all started and that was the the very first board I, I sold was uh, uh, you know funded thanks to that. That's, and that was um, the start of the doxy amps. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, uh, Matt H, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know who Matt H is, you can find him on YouTube Basics 4. You can probably find yeah. some of those original videos. It's probably still yeah. there. I'll have mm -hmm. a look and then we'll, we'll link them in the description so people can check them out. Yes. Um, and the doxy name, I always have this memory of a conversation between you and Greg on the forum 
um, mm. where you ask Greg Coxhill, whose username was Coxie, could I put the name Coxie with the D from Deaky and use the name? No, and create the it's doctor? not Is me. That... <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the culprit here. That's much <laughs> because ah. here's what he did. Here is what he did. Naughty. Uh, he said, "Well, <laughs> he said, well, uh, Greg, uh, you made you, you made this um, this cabinet for me. Um, well, it's a uh, it's a Dicky and made by, by uh, Greg Coxiel, so maybe I could call, uh, call it Doxy." And I thought, "Well, that sounds good." Yeah. Um, and and I asked uh, uh, both Greg and uh, and Matt, "Could I use this name because well, it sounds good?" And Matt wittingly said, yes, of course you can use it. Um, I, I didn't know what it meant, obviously, at the time. It was a doxy, no idea about this, but I just thought it, it sounded good. So uh, um, I called my amps the, the doxy amps. And it is only much later than I learned about what was uh, what, what would be our least name. I laughed really. It was really funny, and decided for keeping this name because of the story behind it. It was a good yeah. story, so I decided to keep it. Well, it's nice because it always reminds me of Greg Coxhill a little bit because of yes, who's um who was really important to the beginning of the forum as well, and making treble boosters and electrolyte, um, yeah, yes, and yeah. really helping people and paving the way of of all of that side of building electronics on the forum and, and mm -hmm. helping people out. And um, Greg was a lovely chap as well, who, who obviously isn't as involved or as I've not seen him for a long, a long time, but I met Greg a few times. But yeah, no, yes. it's, it's, it always makes me smile when, when I read the name Doxy. <laughs> uh, actually, my, my very first treble booster uh, was made by, by uh, Greg Coxie. That yeah. was the very first one. The Novo, I think it was Novo, called. Yeah. Yeah, with that, different settings, you, uh, you, you yeah. have different tone from it i think depending yeah. on the on the on the input gap of the of the treble booster yeah no they're really great pedals and um yeah he had the novo and then uh, there was there was quite a few wasn't there yeah gc46 yeah yeah the germanium one i got that one too and then he he made a tb1 and the tb2 which were yeah yeah and but great great pedals and he did great stuff um <laughs> but yeah no it's just funny going back in time because it's um yes you start remembering it like it was yesterday don't you but actually it was 20 years ago <laughs> not not exactly yesterday but well yes we remember it well <laughs> yeah no oh and from my memory manuel you made some other like um di output boxes with um, yes yes so um i wanted to um well, to go further than just making simple amps. And I thought, well, it would be nice to, um, you know, just in the same idea of um, recording with some, uh, uh, some dough, recording some guitars, I thought it would be good to be able to, uh, to avoid using a cabinet because I'm living in, in a flat. And, you know, my neighbors, uh, well, I hope they like the guitar, but probably not too much, <laughs> especially at night. So uh, I thought it would be a good idea to, to be able to record the uh, DI, uh, my amps. So um, I decided to uh, do some more R&D and um, make a version of the Doxy amps that would allow that. 
And that's how I created, I think, uh, well, I think you had a DI uh, output on, the, on all my amps, on the vintage doxy, the black doxy, yeah. uh, the white doxy, and the diamond doxy. That was the, 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 four, uh, the four pedals that's uh, right. I made yeah. at the time. And I remember them. So the, the cabinet was extra. You had to, well, you, you could buy just the, the doxy uh, pedals. Or if you wanted to, you could have uh, also the, the cabinet that, that would go with it. That was how it was uh, working at the time. And until, I remember... Yes, until early 2010, something like that. And from memory, Matt H had one of those at one point as well, which he would then yeah. use in his videos. Yes, um, he had, uh, I think, both... The black doxy, um, and maybe the um, I can't remember, maybe a white doxy too. Yeah. He had these, these two amps, and he made some some recording with this. And uh, at some point, I think it was in 2010, there was a, a meetup where the uh, I think Nigel Knight brought the, the actual Dicky amp, which was yeah. amazing, and. Um, I think there there was a, a shootout between different Dickies at the time. I can't remember which one were, were there, but uh, there were the actual Dickie. There was a uh, it was not a, the cat Dickie at the time, but maybe the Friar uh, yeah. uh, one at the time, and I think the Black Doxy that uh, that Lee had, had brought with him with the cabinet, so uh, he could uh, uh, participate in the shootout. So that was yeah. interesting at the time too. No, it was. It was... And it's the, you know you go back to that and remember that and that was I think the first time that had been seen by lots of people the original DVD yeah yeah and I think Nigel might have had a um a pre-production model of his cat amp he'd taken along to try and AB to get people to hear the differences and yes talk about that's what I called the the fryer yeah the fryer yeah. is not really the fryer yeah. it was in between the fryer and the cat yeah. I think it's, yeah. it was a pre-production cat. Maybe, but uh, yeah. close to what the cap would be. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I didn't actually go to that one, which is a shame. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So you're in. So, so in 2010, you're making the black and white pedals, and yeah, where do you go? Where do you go next? Because I, I know at some point you start to look at trying to replicate them properly and learning a bit yes. more about the story. Well, not much happened until um, early 2013. Um, and at this point, something happened. Because on, on the US forum, surprisingly on the US forum, someone uh, called info for all I think, that was his, his uh, username, uh, published a link to um, a vintage radio forum. Um, so we, we clicked on the link. <laughs> And in this link, we got some info about the actual Dicky amp. And it was amazing. I remember laughing reading this because I thought, amazing, someone at last has found the needle in the haystack. Uh, because, you know, at the time, in the 1960s, so many radios, so many turntables, yeah. so many, everything were, were made and designed. So it was well, unbelievable that someone was able to know what the the DKM was coming from. Uh, this is how it happened. Um, actually, we, you know, the 
the actual DKM board, we had some picture of it before they, they were made public. Yeah. Uh, they were floating around on the internet. I think uh, they were shared at some point uh, on the American forum uh, without the agreement of the people who owned the, the yeah. picture. That's what happened. So more or less, we all had seen them. And, and Yuri, uh, Yuri had seen them too. So he, he had kept them in. And probably it is what we hold it, which is searching on some vintage radio forum and asking people around, um, do you know what this uh, arm section could be uh, coming from? So we all tried that, actually. I, I did try that too. But on the same forums, actually, and nobody recognized uh, yeah. the arm section. No, I have no idea. But he, he got lucky this time. And, and someone said, well, yes, I know what this is. It comes from a, a supersonic uh, radio made in 1964, 1965. It was amazing. And uh, obviously, someone published the link on the Red Special Forum. So we, we were all aware of this. And well, that was the start of the frantic, ser frantic, sorry, <laughs> frantic search for the Diki. <laughs> and it all started again from there. That's the story of it. <laughs> Reignited by Yuri. And memory, yes. my memory tells me that not only did Yuri find out because someone posted it up, but as soon as he'd found out what the speaker, or not speaker, what the amplifier was, he mm. tried to delete all the photos so no yes. one else could find it. And yes. then the, the administrators had re-put them back in. Yes. And, and booted him off the board for... Uh, yeah, the people on... Yes, the people on the Vintage Radio Forum were, were quite pissed by that, yeah. I think. <laughs> so, uh, well, the info was never lost because of the, uh, of the administrator of the forum. That was a good thing. So uh, yeah. we had something to work on. So you're armed. I mean, and I remember just bringing Yuri back in. I remember mm -hmm. Yuri posting, well, a couple of things about Yuri. And I don't like to run people down, but I remember there no. was a... A video of Yuri playing the Diki, his own Diki amp that he'd made, mm -hmm. and two things. One, he talked about using an old turntable amp, mm -hmm. a, Philips one. a Philips one, which yes. inspired me to go and get a Philips turntable off eBay and take it apart and make something mm -hmm. and build a cab and put it in it. And um, so that's interesting. And two, there was one video he posted where I think someone had taken the audio and realized he'd borrowed the audio from a Queen track. <laughs> I remember that one. I remember that one too. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I will get back at the Philips turntable story if you, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. We all steal from each other because yeah. uh, Yuri published some picture of the, of the audio arm section of his Philips turntable. It was seen in the video. So I, I took a screenshot of that and published that on the Vintage Radio, uh, vintage radio Forum and asked around, uh, do you know where, where, uh, uh, what kind of radio, what kind of turntable this come from? And someone from South Africa actually told me, well, it's a Philips turntable. And here is the, the precise turntable it comes from. Yeah. So I thought, well, good idea. I'm going to get the same one because it sounds so good. And uh, couldn't find one. It was difficult to uh, to find, but I found I found some similar ones um, and bought them on eBay for um, well something like twenty or thirty uh, euros, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and and start started experimenting with them. 
and this sounded so good and so close to the GKM that was very impressive. Um, well, little, little did I know at the time that, well, uh, Supersonic and Philips were very close technically. Uh, actually, um, one of the radio, uh, one of the turntables, sorry, I bought at the time uh, inside its uh, audio arm section used an auto transformer just like the DKM. <laughs> that was the reason why it sounded so good. Obviously, yeah. because it was a very similar uh, transformer to what the real yeah. mind. <laughs> so, you know, totally by, by chance, I stumbled upon something similar to a DKM for a fraction of the price. Okay. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Because yeah. I, I, I can just remember talking to, to people about where do we think it came from? And there was, oh, it must, it, it runs off of a nine volt battery. So maybe it's a car stereo or mm. maybe it's you a turntable or um maybe it was from this or that and then everyone you know i think at some point someone said oh it's a six and a half inch elac speaker in the um mm. in the cab and mm. then everyone's like on ebay looking for six and a half inch elac speakers and you could find a six inch elac speaker or a seven inch elac speaker but nowhere was there a six and a half inch or with no. a wizard cone no photos of it anywhere and no it, it's this completely elusive thing and it it I've spent hours looking for cabinets this size on eBay for years, realizing I'll probably never find one. So I gave up and, and bought one of your amps. But um. <laughs> <laughs> they're very difficult to find. Yeah. Uh, I remember regarding the the Ilac woofer that the very first time I saw one was thanks to Lee, because um, just like you said, we were all searching for six point five uh, uh, woofers, and Lee uh, told me. I've looked for a, a six-inch uh, woofer in ELAC, and I found one, and they sent me a link to the, to the woofer, and I said, whoa, is <laughs> it the DKM woofer? Incredible. So uh, actually, it was not a gray one, but uh, a golden one, if you see what I yeah. mean. Um, because there, there are some of, of this kind um, on the internet, too. And that was the very first time I, I saw a, a DK-style uh, ELAC woofer. Yeah. And we saw many more after that, but... Uh, <laughs> That was interesting. Long yeah, time. No, it, oh, it, it certainly brings back memories. Late hours on eBay, scrolling through hundreds of pages looking for... Yes, so many hours <laughs> lost this way. That's yeah. right. <laughs> All good fun, though. So, yeah. <laughs> so you've, you found the original... So you, you were around and you saw Yuri's post and you found out that it was a supersonic yes. uh, mm. made in Rhodesia yeah. radio. So yeah. your next steps, because I remember it... I remember when it was found and I remember it being a big deal. And then I think we all started looking for one on eBay and as we all did. And nothing. then it went quite nothing for years, a couple of years, no. maybe. Oh. Well, uh, I started immediately searching on, well, obviously on eBay, but there was nothing. Um, I remember Yuri asking online, uh, would anyone have one of these radios? Nothing. Um, and I thought, well, maybe... Well, when I, I've looked on uh, Radio Museum, if you know the, the website, yep. uh, well, the website and forum, actually, um, searching for anything supersonic. And uh, there was nothing about the, uh, about the radio either. So it was not a source to find one. And I thought, well, maybe, uh, well, made in Zimbabwe, 
oh, that's strange. Uh, do they actually make radios uh, at the time in, in, well, Rhodesia, not Zimbabwe at the time? Uh, yeah. Well, amazingly, yes, they did. And quite a good number of them, actually. So I thought, well, I have to search maybe um, directly in, uh, in Africa to find some. So um, I started searching, uh, well, in Zimbabwe and in South Africa, uh, just like Yuri did, because it was funny. I was while I was searching for this radio, I saw some uh, some ads published by Yuri too, uh, yeah. asking asking for a, a PR eighty too, and. Um, Obviously, it was it was not working. Nobody uh, ever answered any ad we we had put uh, on some forums, on some uh, Rhodesian forums, on some South African forums. Nothing, <laughs> nothing interesting. Maybe a, a few interesting info about supersonic here and there, but that was all. So um, I realized, I soon realized that it was not the correct way to search for a radio like this. It was going nowhere this way. Uh, so um, I thought, well. Maybe I should look for some people having worked for Supersonic at the time, and maybe they would have some info. And also realize that uh, it was not a good way uh, to work if I was asking for the radios uh, from the start, uh, because people having those radios from the 1960s probably had kept it for a good reason, yeah. because there was uh, great memories to them. Uh, for uh, from past time, you know, uh, so uh, they wouldn't want to part with them, probably. So that was not the good way to search for radio. So um, the very first thing I did was contacting someone who had worked for Supersonic in the 1960s. Uh, I had access to LinkedIn and found someone who had uh, worked in 1964 for Supersonic. So, uh, um, you know, I did a bit of search on the internet and found his, uh, his mail address and contacted him. And I said, well, I would like to know more about your time at Supersonic. Uh, also, I'm looking for a um, Supersonic radio. Maybe you can help me find one. And well, the guy, the guy very kindly answered me and told me what he was doing at Supersonic. It was... Uh, uh, responsible for a broad production line at Supersonic in 1964, if you see what I mean. So it was probably yeah. working on, on, on the Supersonic Conquest uh, production line at the time. Said, well, I was re responsible for this and also for troubleshooting um, any radio that wasn't working the first time. Uh, so it was probably a very difficult job for him, but that's what he was doing at the time. And we changed a few, e a few emails and I said, well, you know, um, I'm not contacting you just because of some random interest for Supersonic, but there is this story about Queen and Supersonic. And so I told him the whole story about the skip of John Deacon and so on. And he was floored because he, well, he knew Queen, obviously he had some yeah. Queen records and he, he thought, wow, that's excellent. Very good story. I love that. And uh, I sent him some, uh, some DK recordings and, he said, well, wait a minute, because I'm, uh, that, that were his words, I mean, that is squirrels, uh, squirrel, and I have kept some, some bits uh, in my storage uh, somewhere. Maybe I will be able to find some uh, supersonic part for you. So he had a look, but sadly, no, nothing related to, to the DKM. But he had kept some uh, uh, service manuals from some supersonic radios. So uh, he sent me this. And also he told me, well, 
I had a friend at Supersonic 30 years ago. Maybe I can reconnect with him and maybe we will be able to help you. So he, re he reconnected with his friend and, and uh, the three of us, we changed uh, quite a few emails and service manual about the, the Supersonic PR80. Uh, so that was very interesting. And he came up, his friend came up, but uh, well, uh, my first contact and his friend came up with some very interesting info at the time. He told me, well, Quite, uh, we remember well the PR80. Um, it was radio that was produced, produced for the African market, but also for the export market. And for that matter, it was rebranded, uh, which means that it was made under the Supersonic Conquest name, but um, under some other name. I can't remember the names, but uh, they were manufactured for some other companies. I said, well, interesting. Um, and that ended uh, there. Uh, the, my first contact told me, well, it could be Shop Lawrence and Philips. And I thought, well, maybe uh, I will look for some Shop Lawrence radio. Maybe I could find a, a Dickie Shop Lawrence or something like this, but no, nothing. Okay. Uh, little did I know it was a great, uh, maybe the best lead ever, because, you know, uh, every, everybody was going mad about the Supersonic Conquest PR-80, but uh, nobody knew that it was not the radio that uh, John found in the skip, it was something else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, here is the story. Um, Supersonic um, was owned by, well, uh, no, uh, let's say it um, in another way. Uh, STC, the Standard um, Telephone and Cable, which, which was a, a British company, uh, had some shares in Supersonic. And STC was owned by uh, ITT, an American company. But ITT was also owning Chubb Lawrence. Can you see the link? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so in 1964, I think that's the year, uh, by the end of... Well, November 1964, um, STC bought some supersonic shares and decided that it was time to, to go to the export market a little bit further. And they, they, they told Supersonic to make some special set for the British market. And this set were rebranded re with some other brand that belonged to STC, namely KB. Uh, called the Brandis and um, RGD, and that's how uh, some uh, clones, some similar radio, were, were made under another name and exported to the UK, well, to uh, to England at the time. And well, uh, maybe I have something to show you. Ah. And this radio, uh, which is an RGD, I, I don't know if you can see it properly. Yep. Uh, which is uh, very similar to the uh, supersonic PR80, uh, was exported to the, to the British market at the time. And that's what probably was found by John in the skip. So um, um, in 1972 or 73, something like this, I don't know, but around these years. And the thing is, uh, let's get back to the story of the skip for a minute, I think that's interesting. <laughs> and we're going to try to debunk a few stories about that. Um, the, story, uh, the story goes that John found a circuit uh, and with some wires dangling out of a skip 
in London, and he was uh, drawn to it because he was a student in, uh, in electronics. Well, good story. Um, well, my guess is John found more than just the circuit, because uh, why would you find uh, a circuit out of a radio without a radio? You have to, uh, to remove properly the, the circuit from the radio. So uh, if he found the circuit, it's very likely that he found the radio too with it. And uh, when you look at the, the underside of the, of the DT amp, you can see a red link. This red link was added by John. It was not on the standard radio, so uh, he added it. And without the red link, it was not working. So you see, one might think, okay, yeah, being an, a student in electronics, it's easy to add. Well, you, you have to know what you're doing to do that because uh, the, the two um, metal posts on, uh, on the DKM that are connected thanks to this red link, um, you wouldn't think of connecting them together. If you, if you don't have the service manual for the radio, then you wouldn't do that. So my guess is, he had the original radio with the correct wires, and he thought, well, if I want to remove the, the board from the radio, I have to clip those wires and replace, replace them with this red link. And that's probably what he did. So my guess is John found the radio, uh, maybe a RGD, maybe a KB in the skip, and removed the, the board from it. That's the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably much more likely because you wouldn't, you throw the whole thing away rather than take the yes. circuit out and throw the circuit why, away. Why removing the, the circuit? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> you just throw the radio in the bin. Oh, by the way, that's very surprising to find uh, well, a radio, uh, such a radio in a bin, in a, in a skip, because they were quite expensive at the time. Uh, if we had to buy a, a PR80 uh, right now, we would pay for like... I don't know, 400, 500 uh, uh, pounds to get one of them because they were really expensive at the time. Um, that's why at the time they were repairing all the faulty radios because, because they were so expensive. They couldn't yeah. afford throwing, it, throwing them away. So uh, that was surprising to find a radio in a skip like this. But maybe things had changed between 1964 and 1972 or 73, uh, because the, in between the radios maybe were cheaper than that. So maybe they thought, well, we are just going to throw it away and buy another one. Maybe that's a great yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good theory, Manuel. Definitely. Yeah, maybe. We will never know. <laughs> so we have this. We have the... Um, this board, you can see the dinky board. Hey, there it is. Look, you can see. I, I don't have the the red link under it. No, no red, red link, link on mine, but it's working uh, because we, I have a, a small difference between the dinky and this board, which is this. I can I'm not sure you can see that. A small metal link here yeah. that does exactly the same job at the red link that John had it behind the behind the the dinky board. Here so it is. That's so that's one of your boards, one of your replica boards. No, original. Original. Oh wow. Yeah, original board. <laughs> and that, nice is one. that is that one from the radio you just showed us, or one of the other radios? Or... No, no. Um, actually, I have to tell you another story. Uh, um, Nineteen. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, Two thousand and thirteen. Um, 
So I started searching for obviously uh, PR80. But, you know, it's one thing to search for one uh, in uh, South Africa or Zimbabwe. It's another thing to, to be able to, um, to get hold of it and to ship it from, from there to France. Well, little did I know about that, but it's nearly impossible to do. Yeah. Uh, if you're not in the country, you won't be able to buy one. So uh, trying to, to put some ads and ads to buy one well, will get you nowhere. You, you won't be able to buy one. Um, so uh, what I started doing was to build a network of people uh, that would help me get hold of one. So the, the two first person I told you about really helped me... Um, finding some some more information and they also helped me um, finding the good stuff because some radio were some supersonic radios were interesting and some other was were less interesting we were all searching for a supersonic pr80 obviously but the dkm was to be found in other in other sets not only in a supersonic pr80 and actually, uh, John, uh, I didn't find either a PR80, I found yeah. a KB or AGD. So uh, the DM section was to be found somewhere else. Um, that, that info was told to me by my two contacts. Um, yeah. So I, I was looking for some radios, some turntables online uh, in South Africa, and always asking them, what, what do you think of this one? And they said, nope, they're too old. Nope. Too uh, too recent. No, no. So it was uh, it was a bit difficult, but at some point, I thought maybe I, I will get nowhere this way, and I chose to um, to do something else. I contacted some radio collectors from South Africa, and um, asked asked them to what did they know about supersonic? Do you have any uh, service manual for some supersonic radios, turntables, etc.? Do you have some parts? Do you have some radios? Um, and what I realized quickly that um, it was very different from Europe where uh, we can find a lot of vintage radios online. It's not very difficult um, because we, we had the habit to, to keep things. And I think uh, in South Africa, Rhodesia, Zimbabwe, they hadn't kept so much. Uh, a lot of radios disappeared, sadly. Yeah. So uh, contacting collectors well, helped a bit to get some more knowledge about the radio, about, uh, uh, about supersonic in general, uh, but didn't help finding one. So, but I got in touch with some people, with a lot of people, and uh, exchanged a lot of emails with people. And that was building my, uh, my network. And I didn't realize at the time, but that was very important to get hold of one, because once you find something, Again, knowing some people there uh, and uh, knowing some people that, that are willing to help you, it's uh, very important. So kept on searching, kept on searching. And uh, by the, if I remember well, uh, by the, well, summer uh, 2013, I, I found a, a radio collector in South Africa uh, who told me, well, I've got some service manual for you. Interesting. And in this service manual, um, I realized that some other radios, other turntables, use the same um, audio transformers as the DK. So, wow, that's some interesting info because uh, 
uh, this way we'll be able to to search not only for the board but for the the heart of the DKM, the, the yep. audio transformers. Yep. So that was another lead. You know, I'm not only searching for the circuit; I'm searching for the audio transformers because all the rest is you know just electronic parts. The audio transformers is something different, and uh, the audio transformers. Uh, were uh, made in-house at Supersonic. This I knew from the start because uh, uh, the guy from Supersonic I met uh, well online told me, well, a lot of things were made in Rhodesia at the time and not imported from, say, Europe, UK or, or whatever. So I knew I couldn't source some audio transformer elsewhere than in South Africa or Zimbabwe. So knowing that um, I could search for, uh, for some other set was good news for me. Uh, so um, I thought, well, okay, I have to search for obviously a PR-80, but maybe for something else. And I learned about, uh, uh, particularly about the turntable, who had the, not only the correct transformers, but the, the correct board too. And well, here is another, another set. Not very nice one, actually, because it, it, it has a crocodile skin style, <laughs> plastic cover, red one, as you can see. But inside this one, you will find uh, a Dickey amp section, audio amp section. But that was very good. Um, so I found the service manual for this one, plus some other service manual. So back to this guy um, in South Africa. Um, just like with the, my first contacts, I tell him the story about Queen, uh, John Deacon finding the DKM, etc. And he tells me, well, it's amazing because uh, in 1984, I was at the uh, Sun City concert for Queen. So I love Queen too. Uh, it was amazing to talk about Queen. And he told me, well, wait a minute, because I've, I've got obviously some, uh, some treasure chest with some parts and maybe I can find something for you. And he went in his parts. Uh, and found um, some uh, supersonic transformers. Uh, among them, uh, I think from memory, there was uh, uh, the output transformer for the Dickey. And he found an, um, a complete board, not a Dickey board, but a similar board with the correct transformers on it. So it was amazing, you know, that was the first time we uh, were seeing the, D the Dickey um, transformers for real. Um, so really, it was I was overexcited as you can imagine. <laughs> that was the fun of the of the day. And it, um, I told him, "Well, can I buy can I buy some from you? Are you okay to uh, to sell uh, to sell me some?" He, he told me, "Well, you know, um, they are only valuable to you, not to me. Just spare parts, so you can have them for free." Very oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He told me, "Well, you just have to pay for shipping. That's all." That's, that was excellent. I was ready to pay, but no. Uh, uh, so he told me, I'm, I'm going to, uh, to to quote the price for the shipping. Okay. So wait for one day, nothing. Two days, nothing. And then the third day he came back to me and said, well, I thought it over. You know, you told me you were, you were making some replica. You had even a small company called Doxyworld. Well, I thought about it and I thought it, uh, I would have to get my fair share of, of this find. And I'm asking you a uh, thousand euros for it. I said, wow, that's crazy. You know, <laughs> crazy to, to ask for a thousand euros after uh, proposing to give me the, the, the transformers. Not fair, you know. So we discussed a bit further and I said, well, uh, obviously I'm disappointed because 
you took, you're taking advantage of me. <laughs> that's that's just a personal passion of mine, and I'm not expecting uh, to make huge money out of it. You know, it's just to achieve a, t- a tone of sound, and that's it. Yeah. And um, so uh, we discussed a bit a bit further, and finally, finally, uh, that ended it there. That ended there. That's what the end of the of the story is. Sad because uh, I won't be able to uh, to find some more easily because it, you know I just found the the one and only transformer just to to lose them immediately though that was really disappointing. But I had some pictures of the actual transformers and that was a game changer because that allowed me to um, well to to send some pictures to some other radio collectors and tell them would you have something including these transformers or would you yeah. have some spare parts. And like, um, I would say two months after, I found someone who said, well, yes, I've got this radio and you, you have the same transformers. So you can, have, uh, you, can have, you can have the radio if you want. Well, that's very nice. Uh, how much would you ask for them? Well, around 30 euros, something like this. We're very cheap. And I asked the guy, uh, would, you, would you ship it to me? He said, yeah, sure. Uh, wait, I'm going to to have a quote for the radio um, to ship it to you for around 350 euros. Crazy, <laughs> ten times the price for the radio. But this time, you know, I was uh, I, I haven't told the guy why I was searching for the transformers because of the southern euro guy. <laughs> you know, I yeah. was you know I was really disappointed because of that. I was really uh, um, aware that I should be more careful about this. So I told nothing, and they shipped me the radio. That was the very first supersonic radio I got. Um, yes, no question why I was ready to well to pay ten times in shipping the price of the radio. That was totally silly. <laughs> but well, I got I got my radio this way and got my first transformers. Um, I remember it was the um, uh, it was the summer, still the summer, I, I think, and. Um, I called Lee uh, on FaceTime and I, I told him, well, I'm about to remove the transformers from the radio. It was very hot and, was, and I was heavily sweating, not probably because of the heat, but <laughs> of, of the, uh, probably the fear to, uh, to wreck the transformers while removing them from the board. So uh, Lee was watching on FaceTime me removing the transformers. <laughs> That, that's a great memory we we have together, really. Uh, summer, yeah, two, 2013. And I removed the transformers and measured them, anything you can imagine. Um, uh, DC resistances, inductances, everything. And uh, well, I learned a lot about the transformer at this, at this point. But at this point, I hadn't found, I hadn't found the, the TKM. So I still have to, to search. So same way, you know, asking around some radio collectors, so on, etc. And um, I think it was early in 2014, um, I decided to, um, uh, to share some info with Mark Reynolds because I knew it was very interesting in DKM. And I thought at this point, I think it is important to tell, to tell him what I found about the, the DKM and the Transformers. So, uh, so I emailed him, sent him some pictures of the, uh, what I had found, the transformers, sent him some, all the, the data I had measured on the, uh, on the transformers. And 
well, he was blown away, you know, because, well, that was something we had, he had searched for uh, for a long time. Uh, and, uh, sorry, and I told him, well, now I have to replicate that and send some to you and see what we can, where we can go from, from there. Okay, so that was, well, I think early 2014. And a few, well, a few weeks later, I got a message from someone in South Africa, someone I had contacted before, a radio collector, telling me, well, you know, the, um, the ground radio you told me about, uh, well, I think I spotted one online. Here is the link. So click on the link. Uh, the famous ground radio I showed you uh, was for sale. Well, in a heartbeat, click on the link, buy it. It's mine. Well, no, it's not mine. It's collection only in South Africa, Johannesburg. <laughs> <laughs> or, or am I going to get this one? So um, uh, I emailed back to the guy and told him about it. Told me, yes, good idea, but have you noticed it's collection only? Well, I said, yes. What does that mean, collection only? Well, it means you have to, to go in person and take it. Oh, difficult that one <laughs> he told me well don't worry can do that for you and he, he went to the seller and um, took the radio i paid and told me well can ship it to you if you want so here we go again quote a few hundred uh, euros <laughs> something like uh, 400, five, 500 euros, <laughs> I'm ruined at this point. And I've got a very understanding wife <laughs> who put up with all my expenses. Yeah. Because, well, you know, it cost me an arm and a leg to do that you know, with no money going, going in whatsoever to, to pay for that. So yeah. that was a bit uh, awkward, you know, but okay, about, the, about this. And they ship it to me and... And here I have it. So uh, I remember opening uh, this uh, this grand radio with my son and seeing for the first time the the Dicky the Dicky M section, and uh, sending some pictures to uh, to Lee, uh, doing uh, FaceTime with Mark, who was busy at the time. I told him, "Stop everything. You need to see this. <laughs> what? What do I need to see? Wait." <laughs> and I showed him the Dicky board, and it was floored again by seeing the first ever dicky board we managed to uh, to get hold of and that was the story of my uh, my own uh, dicky board <laughs> here it is <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome it. absolutely <laughs> awesome uh, loads of years and hours and effort and communication and you know the good of humankind really helping you out to, mm -hmm. to get hold of it it must have been a fantastic yes. thing to open it up and Yes, it was amazing, really. But, you know, I, I think um, a key to, um, to find this um, was to not search only, you know, not put ads, etc. But I tried all along the process, process of searching to, to learn about Zimbabwe, about Rhodesia, the story, uh, everything that was behind it, the story of the supersonic company. Because uh, when you find someone who is a collector, you have to bring them something and yeah. uh, to, to bring them some information because it's, that's what they are looking for. They are not yeah. looking for people asking for stuff. They are looking yeah. for people that are knowledgeable and that will bring them uh, information uh, well, at least information. So that's why discussing the subject with everybody was 
really um, very important to to go further in my search. And during the process, I, I got in touch with many uh, important people. I got in touch with, uh, uh, first of all, the son of supersonic founder, uh, who was called Jacques Chassé, uh, of Canadian extraction. That's why, that's why he's got a French name. Uh, his son, Roy Chassé, uh, got in touch with me and we discussed, uh, well, his, his father's company, uh, all the story behind it. And so that was very interesting. But um, at the time, he had not much more info about it. Um, but later, later on, he remembered that uh, uh, Supersonic exported many radios uh, to the US and, um, and some, particularly some PR80 and PR80C, which was a different version of the radio, transformer-less version of the radio. And uh, the, these two radios were for sale on uh, some catalog uh, at the time. And so you could buy a, a DK amp uh, for a catalog. <laughs> yeah, on a catalog. I can't remember the name, but uh, uh, I, I found, actually, I found the catalog and I've got um, uh, a picture of the catalog and uh, with the DK, uh, with the PR80 on the catalog. That was a good story. And um, while searching, I also stumbled uh, upon someone who told me, well, uh, no, I, I don't know Supersonic much, but um, in the 60s, I was running with someone um, called Dave Sharp, and who was res responsible for the R&D for Supersonic. And, um, well, maybe I can uh, get in touch with him for you if you're interested and get his email if you're interested. I said, Obviously, I am. So uh, Dave Sharp, uh, responsible for their R&D, but the guy with the, at the time was a draftsman who designed the, the casing for the PR-80. So I got in touch with him. Uh, imagine someone who designed the, the Dickey casing. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. So we discussed, he, uh, we discussed together his living in New Zealand. And he, uh, I told him, do you remember this radio? He told me, must be kidding. <laughs> And we made thousands of radio designs <laughs> out of the radio. Can't remember everything we made. So uh, he told me I had to smile when you you wrote this to me. No, I don't remember. But he told me uh, a lot of stories about something very interesting again. And he told me, you know, I've kept in touch with someone uh, living in Australia who was working for Supersonic at the time as an apprentice, and he was winding all the prototypes. For, for our audio transformers. I've got his email address. Would you like to get in touch with him? And, well, yes, please. <laughs> so I got in touch with this guy. Um, well, was re remembering everything about it. And he told me, well, everything about the Dickey transformers details, you know, uh, how they were wound, uh, what materials the laminations for the transformer were made of. Um, uh, were there uh, audio uh, auto transformers or not? Uh, Bifilo wound or not? Etc. Uh, Etc. Et All the details, you know, about about the transformers. I couldn't believe that. So uh, he had a lot of information that that was really helpful to make a replica of the of the transformers because obviously when you have the uh, the actual transformers, but you don't have many of them. Uh, you you think twice before uh, dismantling them. <laughs> So he told me all, the, all these details, and that was very interesting. And I, I, at the time, 
can't remember when I had my first attempt at winding my own transformers. I haven't done that before. I didn't know if it was possible to, to do that yourself, but um, well, I did it and came up with some transformers, put them in a circuit. Doesn't sound good. Okay. Well, I leave it to that. Well, uh, and because I was busy with my daytime job, I uh, went to some other thing that maybe it doesn't work. And went back to it again and look at the, um, uh, at the red, uh, transistors I'd used to make the, the replica, measure the, um, the gain, then maybe I could change the gain from some transistor in that, uh, that board, change a few, a few transistors, try again, whoa, it's there, it's the DKM, <laughs> amazing. Uh, so I thought, well, maybe I could send that to, to Lee and Mark because uh, they were knowing each other at the time, obviously. And, and I thought they would be interested in testing my replica. So I sent this to Mark before Lee could uh, even get to, to his home and, uh, and try, try it with him. And Mark plugged the, the board into his Electra uh, woofer and Twitter and emailed back to me, can I keep it? Can I keep it? <laughs> yes, of course, <laughs> we can keep it. <laughs> Spot on. You made it. <laughs> it's, it's a perfect replica. So that was a success, really. Uh, and um, well, from there, I decided to, to, write, so, to write some more. And uh, uh, well, I had made a replica of the board, but I still needed to make a replica of the, of the, uh, of the speaker themselves because the board was only a part of the tone and 50% uh, yeah. of it. And we needed some, well, some good uh, speakers to achieve the tone. So that was another, another job. So um, uh, I, I think a few, few weeks, few months later, uh, Lee and Mark teamed together and uh, with some uh, speakers I had sent them, they, they started um, ABing uh, the ELAC speaker they had at the time, and the original ones, you know, uh, the one that are in the Diki, and ABing them with my, uh, with my own speakers and selecting uh, a proper crossover, et cetera, et cetera, and, um, and finally uh, matching uh, the, the new speakers with the vintage speakers and and we we had a proper DTM thanks to that so that's this part is totally their job and they managed to do it brilliantly so we, so we've got to thank Mark and Lee then for the speakers in your replicas yes that's their job I thought you were going to tell me you got in touch with someone at Elac and learned all the history of Elac and then found and then made a no, replica speaker no <laughs> uh, this one is more difficult this one is yeah. more difficult. Well, finding the Twitter was not that difficult. I, I have a few, a few original uh, ELAC Twitter. Uh, finding the woofer is another story. Very difficult to find. Um, actually, I only know of three um, original woofer around, apart from the original DK. I've got one. I'm lucky to have one now. Found it, um, well, less than a year ago, I think, something like that. Oh, wow. but, um, lucky enough to have one now so i still have to assemble my own dicky <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, got, yes sorry i was gonna say and then so from there on so you've got um mark and lee have found the speakers for you you've managed to ab is the next step to then start learning and making the casing and looking at the vinyl yes. and recreating the for yours or 
is that just a natural progression is that always what you wanted to do with it or is it no <laughs> no <laughs> uh, not at all uh, well, I first started with the doxy, you know, with some uh, some odd-looking grill clothes with some strange colors, green or orange. You no, know, uh, I wanted to make something different from the original DKM at first, and then I, I thought, well, I've made this um, Transformers replica, and if I sell them, everybody will have my uh, my replica, and it will be easy to replicate the replica. Well, I thought maybe I should make something. Uh, something closer to their original amp that will make them more valuable. Yeah. Uh, obviously, um, you know, being a, a nerd and interesting, having the exact same looking uh, Dickie amp uh, as Brian May, um, I thought it would be interesting to spend some time to spend some R&D in making something that would be, uh, well, spot on, you know. And, uh, but obviously, this costs a lot again because yeah. uh, finding the, the correct, uh, the original uh, Greeklos, for instance, is very difficult. <laughs> Try to find one. It's difficult. This one is original. Um, trying to, uh, to replicate the look of the original uh, woofer and Twitter very difficult to achieve again. You, you have to do some, a lot of R&D like, uh, to achieve this. Finding the correct uh, looking uh, place a uh, capacitor, uh, try to achieve this, very difficult again. And it's the same for every part that you have in, the, um, in this DKM. For instance, the, there is a small part on the board that is a vari uh, variable uh, resistor, vintage, you won't find one. Uh, nearly impossible to replicate because it's a wire wound uh, variable resistor and you won't find that nowadays. So manage to find some of this, quite a good number. So I was lucky to, to find that. So all these parts, you know, came with time. Um, what I could find uh, vintage, I bought. What I couldn't find, I replicated. So uh, um, when I replicate some, some old parts, it, sometimes it's a difficult process because you have to do a lot of R&D, uh, achieve the correct color, uh, the correct look, and etc. For instance, some silly details like the sleevings on the, on the transistors try and achieve that, nearly impossible. Yeah. The, the correct color, <laughs> the, the correct stiffness, the correct everything, uh, very difficult to replicate, so it took me hours and hours, hundreds of hours to, of R&D to do that. But surprisingly, uh, that's the most interesting part in it. I, I love doing the R&D, uh, yeah. maybe much more than making the amp themselves. <laughs> so that's why I, I still keeping, uh, I, I'm still keeping doing that. Study. I mean, I'm always doing some R&D until now, really. Uh, always try to, to improve the look of my, uh, of my amps, of what is inside the amp. And obviously the tone, I have to, to, go, to keep up uh, the DKM. You've learned loads of different skills, Manuel, over this. Probably, yes. Your electronics knowledge has gone through the roof. You can now wind transformers, making replica capacitors. Yes. Um, you're able to find pretty much anything on the internet these days, I would say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to, I've got to thank Matt Hutchison for that too, because uh, the, the taste for looking for odd things on the internet came from him. Uh, uh, I'm sure you remember the, the Jean Renault switches. Switch, yeah. yes. 
he was the one who, uh, who got me into this because he was making some replica at the time uh, using he told me well um, in France you've got some some genre no switches I'm sure you, you could look for some for me uh, would you try to do that I said, well why not so I tried to find some genre no switches for him found a well let's say six seven eight nine ten switches for him but it was very difficult to find and I kept on searching and at some point I've, I found a small shop i think in paris and they had they had some genre of switches but not one or two 200 switches yeah and then uh, i asked them how much would you sell them to me for one euro each I say okay deal <laughs> i bought them 200 switches and uh, but they, they there was really close looking uh, switches close very close to brian's uh, yeah. original switches but not, not exactly the same they were you know uh, sort of golden looking well yeah. same shape same everything but golden looking uh, the original in uh, in the red special are, are tinned I found, yeah. I, found, I found some of these too um, and I thought well maybe it could interest Brian so I, I wrote Brian and told him oh, I found the same switches as yours Told me, could you? Told me, could you sell me a set? So obviously, yes, I can. So I sent him a, a set of these uh, of, the, of these switches. I don't know where they are right now. Maybe in a drawer, or maybe somewhere else. But uh, but Brian's got a set of my switches. <laughs> and I kept on searching for uh, and still like that. Found um, uh, a Fox Phaser yeah. first issue, uh, thing like that. So it was only logical to. To keep on searching for uh, silly stuff like this for the the Dickie and Replica. <laughs> uh, it's not silly stuff, though, is it? Because there's just <laughs> I, I, like the Jean Renault switches. I've got a set of the switches you found in my Guide and Time Warp. Yes. Um, so you know they've gone on to be in good things, and yeah, I think I think, <laughs> I, think uh, I know that, um, Andy worked with Doug Short and Tim Grocott on replicating them because he Amazing. didn't have enough to make them. Yes. But I know a fair few owners that I know with guidance around mine have got your original. Or like when they, you said to everyone you'd found some, we all bought them and they they kept them and they were in their guidance time warps. Yes, they, they went very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were sold very quickly. It was, it was an, an amazing, amazing find, really. Yeah, I've definitely. got to I've got to mention a few other people. Uh, of course. Uh, I found online someone very important to, um, I think it's one year or two years ago, um, still discussing uh, uh, on some um, uh, Rhodesian uh, forum on, in, on Facebook about the supersonic, the radio, the stories, so on, etc. Not not searching particularly for the radio, but well, talking about supersonic because I always wanted to find some vintage picture of the of the factory knowing some more about the story of supersonic etc because um, at this point i am i had understood it was a very important important thing sorry uh, to do and someone said um well um i know very much uh, supersonic because my father worked for them okay the name of the guy was um, uh, peter peter goodridge and it was the the son of someone i knew uh, because uh, all the other uh, contact I had um, who had worked previously for Supersonic had talked uh, about him to me. Um, the guy in question was called Bob Goodrich, and Bob Goodrich was the guy who designed the electronics inside the PR-80. <laughs> so 
uh, um, I emailed uh, Peter Goodrich and told him the story about his, fa uh, his father and uh, what he did. He was blown away. <laughs> he was really uh, couldn't believe the story behind, uh, behind the radio. And he told me a, a few stories about the PR-80 because he was remembering it. Uh, he was remembering the radio when he was a kid. He told me, well, my dad came from work one day with a pre-production PR-80 and we had it in, uh, in our living room. So uh, uh, this radio was particular to him. And I told him, well, your dad designed the, the audio transformers in it. Uh, your dad designed radio. Your dad uh, designed the Dickie amp. <laughs> That's what he achieved. So he was, well, really proud of it. And he's searching his, um, you know, in his... Um, uh, in his stuff and found uh, his dad original service manual for the for the sorry PR eighty yeah. uh, and he told me well I'm not going to do so much with it I'm going to send it to you so he, he sent me his original one of a kind uh, his dad uh, service manual for the PR eighty you know something uh, incredible so he sent me this. <laughs> Those, right. uh, I wanted to mention to mention Peter Goodrich and and his dad uh, Bob Goodrich because along with Dave Sharp uh, they were responsible responsible for the birth of the supersonic PR eighty. That was That's, very important. It's so important, Manuel, to document these things. And I know you you've put together some bits and pieces which you can read on your website and mm. I, I think a video or two as well on YouTube. Yes, um, which we'll link to in the description of on the youtube and if you're listening on one of the many podcast sites then um if you go to the website www.redspecialcatarpodcast.com in the description for this episode we'll put the links so you can go and have a look if you're interested yes. in all of the things manuel's put together because it's not just um making the amplifier and as you can hear for his passion throughout the whole of this podcast it's not yeah. just about making the amp um it's been learning about the the company that built it and the journey they went yes. on, the people that worked in the factory, the production line, the people that designed the thing, worked on it, shipped it, owned it. And it's absolutely fascinating read. And it's so well documented, Manuel. It's Honestly. you can tell that at some point you've you're obviously started looking into it for the right reasons to learn about it, to to engage with people, but completely mm. fell in love with the story. And you're probably one of you know a very um high knowledgeable person on supersonic if, <laughs> um, <laughs> in in the world at the moment so it's you know it's a great thing to document because at some point you know if you hadn't documented it and if you hadn't gone to these lengths one we wouldn't know about it but two future generations learning about brian may and the decamp wouldn't necessarily be able to wouldn't know about this and it's yes it's so nice that you've managed to not just replicate the amp but go full circle yes. and and put everything together. I think it's an absolute testament to your passion. Yes, I, I think um, that's what I often say. The most interesting thing uh, in my search was the search itself. Yeah. That was the, that was the prize. Finding it is okay. Finding um, uh, a dicky board was splendid, uh, outstanding. You know, I, I loved it. But the search itself was. Beyond that, uh, that uh, searching and uh, learning some more, some more info about the radio, about the company, Supersonic, was uh, the actual reason I did it. Yeah. It was really, um, well, the, a real passion to do that. Well, it's the journey, not the destination, isn't it? Quite exactly. Often. Exactly. And, uh, 
And I think there's the the people that we've mentioned on here that were on the original Red Special Forum. You know, that feeling is that's how I feel and feel about the guitar and the story of the guitar and the Red Special and the DQ amp and it's it's about those people that I've met along the way and how that's changed my life and how I've been able to help them with some information or we jointly true. jointly learned something and grown as a person and how the Red Special and Brian May and Queen and the DQ amp has has helped shape my life and yeah. It's clearly done the same for you, and exactly the same, and and gave me the occasion to meet some some people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. Yeah. Think of thinking of Liam, thinking of Mark, uh, and some people who are outstanding and uh, who have so much to say and to tell, and just you enjoy just being with them because they are so friendly too. So yeah. that's another part of the story. Making no, the well, making the MC is important to me because uh, I know uh, it's, well it's a passion of mine making and using my hands to make something that that I will like and some other people will like. So uh, that's a good thing too. But I know that I won't be able to make them indefinitely. Uh, at some point, yeah. well, there, there won't be any more parts to make them. Yeah. So that's that's only um, you know uh, uh, a moment in my life. I'm, I, I will. Probably go on doing something else, DQ related, but at some point there will be no more. Probably. Yeah. So it's definitely if you, if you like Brian May and Queen Red Special, head over again. We'll put a link to Manuel's website. But Manuel's currently making a limited run of I think it's it, how many per year is it, Manuel? Five. Five, Five a year. Yeah. Of the ultimate replica of the DQ amp board with the all the correct vintage parts on or if you can't find the vintage parts the handmade parts that you've been putting together um it looks like this because this is one <laughs> yeah that's another uh, one yes um, <laughs> perfect one and it it looks fantastic it, it sounds amazing and it has all of the correct bits and pieces and um that you would find on the original decamp it's not as battered and bruised because i look after it no um, please don't yeah, <laughs> don't drop it, it but it's, it sounds amazing. And if it's something that is as a passion of yours as a listener or member of the forum listening, it, it, I know there's other versions of the DQ amp available, or they were, but this has gone the extra mile and is, is, is as close as you're going to get to owning the original, unless you're lucky enough to take the information from this podcast and find an original radio and then find the very hard to find correct speaker cabinet from the, the period mm-hmm. so head over to manuel's website and um check it out and make sure you get yourself on the list because when they're gone they're gone they're gone <laughs> i'm afraid so <laughs> manuel is there anything else you wanted to say or anyone else we wanted to to well, thank I, or no i think uh well I have to thank everybody on the forum for, uh, well, the old forum and the actual forum for their help because I got in touch with so many people uh, during the process. This is something I couldn't have done by myself. Obviously, I needed help. Uh, uh, I, I'm thinking about, about uh, Julian Hemingway, for instance, yeah. uh, who, who had a great interest in the Dickey. I remember him sharing his uh, uh, original uh, Dickey cab uh, with, uh, with some very similar uh, speaker inside, some, something outstanding, and sharing the, uh, the dimensions of the, of the cab and so on. So generous from him. 
Um, so, you know, well, I'm thinking of thinking about Julian right now, but I think I could tell a story about everyone on the forum uh, helping helping me uh, in some ways or, or another. Uh, thinking also about uh, uh, Will Barbero, uh, who yeah. gave out some some product for me, amazing guy too from uh, from Scotland, uh, and so on. So many to. I'm, I'm sure I will forget some. I'm sorry, <laughs> tell sorry to them right now. But so many people have me. Feel very very uh, thankful to them. I I think that we, we were really lucky to find the forum because I think most of us found it around the same sort of time, the early two thousands. And we were all in the right place at the right time to connect and yes, probably and and work together and go on this journey together. That's that's now you know twenty odd years old. And mm-hmm. um, we were it was right at the beginning. And I'm saying this for the more younger listener or viewer that the internet was brand new and it was it was a dial up modem and you could you couldn't use the phone when you were on it and there was no <laughs> Wi Fi and there was um, it was costly because you had to pay for the communication too. <laughs> yeah. And if you wanted to download a photo, it would take like Impossible. five minutes for the photo <laughs> to download on the page. Yeah, remember that, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, what we, you look at what we've, and I say we, I've not achieved very much in compared to what you've put together in your, your own story. But when you look at what you've achieved from the birth of the internet to that limited information to where your story's gone over the years, it's absolutely mm. phenomenal that... that where you've got to and i just think it's it's so nice to now know the story of the dk amp the original dk amp and where it came from and and, you know we i'm guessing you sent some of this information to brian as well uh yes uh, yes actually uh, each time i make a video or something i I send a, a link to him and sometimes he answers so yeah. that's nice to to be able to uh, yeah. to discuss it with him. Very nice, uh, something unbelievable. So, but I know you've been very very lucky too. So <laughs> nothing to compare what, with what you achieved in that. Field. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'd say it's more you know what you've achieved, and then being able to talk to Brian about it. It's an intrinsic part of of Queen, and it's it's the, the sound it makes. The DK amp is what drew me to what is that sound? And then you learn about the guitar and the yes. and box AC30s and treble boosters and all of the uh, the stories and you just uh-huh. head, head first down the rabbit hole. But what mm. what what you've done is is you've taken the veil back on this this small thing that none of us had ever seen. We'd heard, mm. didn't know, and, and you, you've absolutely learned everything you can about it and then shared it with everyone. I think I, highly commend you for your efforts over the years and to be able to make them available for us um to buy is, is fantastic so thank you so much manuel for that's for all a of, pleasure of your <laughs> I, i'll do my best <laughs> I, t- we, I try to do my best to to improve over what i did in the past that's yeah always what i keep in mind when i i make a, a replica i think okay it's good but can i do it better and uh, yeah. always trying to to get a closer look to find the right material to to be closer to the original and so on. So that's always always a goal. Some silly silly details, and like I call them. For instance, the um, there are some details on, on your amp that you won't ever see behind yep. the, the the black tape. For instance, yeah. just have a look at it. It's the original uh, terminal strip. Uh, the same on the Tiki. Same yeah. one. <laughs> exactly. I'll same. have a look, I'll have a look in a minute. <laughs> no, you <Yeah>. said. <laughs> so it's it's in all the details. <laughs> Yeah, 
but it, and that's so important because it, the the few of us or they're not few of us there's loads of us now but the because of the nature of this story and i think the brian's story with harold building the guitar mm. it, it grabs so many different people from different perspectives and, and viewpoints you've got your guitar players who just want to sound like Brian May and absolutely mm. can play guitar. You've got your builders who want to replicate it. And yes. you've got people people that pour over the minute detail and tiny changes and the minutiae of the guitar. And there are some bits and pieces that people still probably can see in the book but haven't picked up on because... Yes. Um, and the, the amp's the same thing. And for those of us that like myself that like those minute details, and if I'm going to have something, if I want something to be the same as the original, it needs to be the same as the original in yes. every possible way. Yeah. And this is, as I'm, as far as I'm aware, at the moment, as close as you're ever going to get to the original amp, unless I go to Brian's house and, and nick it. Could um, be. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I, I won't, and I haven't. Never, if ever. It's gone. If it's gone missing. It's purely coincidental. <laughs> I've, not, I've, I've not taken it. You're on video now. <laughs> but, yeah, but it appeals to to that side of me, and that you know, it's it's um because it's such an intrinsic part to Brian's sound, and because it it matches in with the story of father and son building a guitar, and then the bass player. Mm finding a radio in a skiff and making an amplifier that goes on to be on all of the tracks, well, not all the tracks, but all the guitar orchestrations and some of my favorite music. It, it just adds to the story. And I think, yeah, being able to own something like this that I know how much work and effort you've put in over the years, mm. um, it's an honor that you allowed me to buy one from you. Well, it was a pleasure to, to make one for you <laughs> in the first place. Um, uh, when you uh, you look inside your amp, uh, you, if you look at it very closely, you will find very uh, a good number of details that that have evolved along uh, from the first version that you had uh, to this version. It's very yeah. different. For instance, take a look at the transformer themselves. They have the correct bobbin right now. Uh, right. <laughs> when at the time it was well, rather um, roughly made, homemade, and this yeah. one is three D printed. Uh, replicated from the original, for instance. So it's only in the look, but you have, well, the closest available looking board. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just second to the to the original one. And that, that thing, that sort of thing appeals to me massively, Manuel. Well, so. well, that's great. <laughs> happy to, happy no. to, to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's one of my, uh, I'd say one of my character flaws. Is the, <laughs> maybe, but... <laughs> it's it's enabled me to meet some wonderful people like yourself and and get to talk to you. So maybe it's it's not all bad. But no, th thank you so much for your time today. Um, thank you for having me. <laughs> and um, thank you for all that you've done. As I keep saying, we'll pop links to all of to your website um, where you can find out more about the amps and yes. demos. Um, how to Story get in touch of with you. Story yeah. of Supersonic. You will find in one of my videos. Uh, some footage of some people winding uh, the original uh, supersonic transformers mm. crazy <laughs> crazy yeah. one can find this so long after <laughs> what what amazing uh, what is amazing to me is that when you search you find some uh, incredible things for instance talk to you and i will end with this sorry uh, i told you about uh, bob goodridge the guy who designed the electronic uh, in the dkm uh, well i found the 
the advert uh, proposing a position in Rhodesia that himself found at the time in a, a radio uh, uh, magazine. So, uh, well, you, when you search, you, you find some amazing, uh, some amazing stuff. Well, actually, it's not me who found it, but uh, one uh, of my contacts, uh, Red Special Contact, with, told me I found this advert for you. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice to put it together and have it somewhere where you can see it and understand the history because it's. It's it is the story of the Deaky Amp, but it's also the yep. story of Supersonic. And as you found yes. by talking to various people, there's people are really interested in the Supersonic radios. Mm. And you've got us crazy Queen fans that are interested in what it went on to be. But mm. certain people actually are fan of Supersonic as a brand and and, and what they did and will have memories of them. Yes. So what, what I enjoy too is well, just like we said when we. Be, we began this uh, this recording this uh, this podcast that we're all growing old sadly yeah. but uh, we're still we're still we're still queen fans which yeah. means we can find some interest in something different uh, for instance we enjoyed just the music then the multi tracks then the electronics behind it then the the amp then the, the guitar then anything and uh, it's endless and uh, I don't think many other bands can uh, can claim this to to right. have gone uh, uh, to such an extent to um, to to be able to uh, to keep people interested. Definitely, and how Brian is as well. I think it, it just invites the right sort of person into the community because mm. of how his stance on things and and how how his own views are and how he has conducted himself over the years. So I think a lot of the building the guitar and doing it right and then how Queen were and, and what he does in outside of all of that brings and attracts the right sort of individuals to the community and yes. we can all share share in a similar interest and yeah. we've all got our own little bits that we do um, but when we all come together it, it's a, you know we it's a great thing never-ending interest <laughs> well my last question to you is going to be what what's next after the DQ amps, what's what's your next project? Um, well, finding some more time. First one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, first to um, to make my uh, 2023 batch of, of amps, and I've started, but I've got a lot of work to do to to finish um, in December. Um, well, to uh, to assemble my own DQ amps too. Yep. Because I've got all the parts needed now. Yep. I just need to <laughs> to make it for me. Don't, <laughs> so don't forget yours. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> always the case, you know. So I've got to make to make my own original Dicky amp. Um, you know, uh, probably also some some new projects for Doxy World. Uh, when yep. you think about it, you you have the VBM one, you've got the the Digitech pedal, you yep. have the orchestrator, you uh, you have um, Greg Fryer. We haven't talked about Greg, uh, right. the Mayday pedal. Yeah. Um, Greg was well a milestone in the Dicky story, so we should have talked about him a lot too. Um, You've got um, well also some software solution to 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 sound like the Dicky. So you have. That's funny. So, such a simple ham, one-trick pony. We we hear sometimes, uh, but so many solutions to try and and replicate the town from the DK. Yeah. So I guess I will be able to come up with some new projects uh, yeah. around the DKM in the future. I'm sure about that. Need some more R and D. Just just flicking back to Greg before we finish. 
obviously yeah. Greg was massively involved in trying to replicate yeah. it. Um, and another person that I knew and knew quite well was Dave Peterson, I think, was involved. Yeah. Um, right. When Greg was involved in Dave Peterson, then Nigel Knight got involved. And I know mm. Greg mm. Greg was um, building a, a few replicas of the DKM back in Australia, I think. Yes. And right. it's, yeah, and he's got his own own story to tell, I'm sure. And Greg finally yeah. agreed to come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be a uh, very interesting one too. But I yeah. think he's got a lot of stories about about the, the DKM to to tell yeah. you. That would be a, a, a good a, a good story to to add to the DKM for too. I think definitely. Well, Manuel, thank you again. Thank you so much for your time tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure to finally meet you face to face. Pleasure um, to meet you. <laughs> and to talk to you. And um, thank you for trusting in the podcast and, uh, and sharing your story and for doing all that you've done because it, it blows my mind to think. And it must do you when you look back to Manuel 20 years ago and what you started out trying to do and where you've got to. Long journey. <laughs> yeah. You, you probably say to yourself, you'd never get there or not, don't do it again. But. <laughs> yes. Sometimes it's very discouraging, but well, I did it. Yeah, I no, hope you there did. is a long way in front of me too for some more yeah. projects. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I would be really excited to know what you're up to and um, make sure you, you keep in touch um, and let me know what you're doing and you know we'll share everything and make sure people are directed towards you. But thank you so much, my friend. It's, it's been thank brilliant. You. Thank you, John. We, Thank you for we having must, me. We must get you to a meetup at some point. Maybe yes, not this I'm, year, because I, I know you might be busy this year, yes. but we must get you to a meetup one year. And meet everybody. Yes, that's right. Good project. Another yeah, one well, on the list. Maybe that could be your next project, attend the meetup. Yes, very good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. Cheers, Manuel. Thanks very much. Bye. And uh, wow, Manuel, what an absolutely fantastic episode. It's so good to chat to you before during and after that and we could have probably carried on talking for a lot longer but I think we were both getting tired near the end um it's so great to finally put a face to a name and actually talk to you I know I've been sending you messenger messages for many years um and talking to you about what's gone into your your story really the legacy you've created yourself and how much detail you've gone into and knowing how much work you've put into doing what you've done it really makes my own DKAMP that you made for me super special and I can't thank you enough for making them. If people are interested in them, then I will put a little video together of me playing it badly. Um, I'll try and do it, me playing it well too, but can't win them all. Um, but head over to Manuel's website, which will be in the description, and have a look at getting one if that's something that you're interested in. It's, it's a collector's piece. There won't be many of them made. When he runs out of parts, there are no more. So it's worth grabbing hold of what you can. There is a waiting list and you need to get on it, but get on it now to make sure you don't miss out if that's something part of Brian May history that you want for yourself. Um, not to mention, go and check out his um, YouTube channels and the social media accounts. There's so much information about the story of Supersonic um, from Rhodesia and the, some of the things we spoke about in the episode, it, loads of information there. Um, go and share and like it and talk to Manuel. He'll absolutely love it if you do and well deserved any, any accolades for his dedication to to the DKM. We're so lucky to have him in the community and have, having, have him do all this work. It's been so nice to watch it over the years, get to where it is today. Um, and Manuel, I salute you for, um, for your efforts. Um, yeah, and that's it for today. We have some new things coming out though. One of those, 
I'd like you to look out for, which will be out in the next few weeks, is our new segment, News of the World, which is a brand new series I'm putting together talking about the news around the world of the Red Special. It's including things like guitars, tours, things Brian May's done, things we've seen him online, videos, things people in the community have done, videos people have created, guitars they've built, rigs they've got, news that's going on. And I want you to join me there. I also want to do some gear reviews and talking about guitar modifications and what you can do to make your guitar a bit more like the Red Special, what treble boosters to use, all of those sorts of things. And I would love for you to join me there. So if that sounds like something that you would be interested in, then please, please make sure that you like and subscribe. They'll be on this channel, but on a different format. Head over to YouTube and check us out if you're listening to podcast sites. I won't be releasing this on podcast, but you can go to YouTube and have a look at all this stuff. There's going to be some crazy cool visuals, hopefully. Um, I've been taking lessons from a certain gentleman. Um, and yes, please make sure you check it out and let me know what you think of this episode in the description below. And please let me know what you think of my new idea to create some more content. I've been John Underhill. You stay safe. And I'll catch you in the next one.